All right, all right. Um, how we doing out there today? This is Casey on the beat coming at you. Um, had a lot on my mind, and I said that I wanted to um, make this special podcast uh, just to get some things, you know, off my chest a little bit. Um, because, you know, I've been going through a lot, and I, I typically speak on a lot of things, but Recently, I haven't been, uh, I've been talking about politics and things of that nature and not so much of, you know, home life and things like that. Basically, the things that got me to where I am with this podcast, um, which is, you know, just everyday issues and things like that. And don't get me wrong, um, politics is, you know, part of an everyday issue. Uh, but you know, I, I it's something that's bothering me that I need to rant about and hopefully or hopefully get this out to you all um, in a sense of bringing some clarity to parenting. Um, I want to say probably eight to ten years ago, you know, I met my now wife and, you know, I made a decision, you know, when I met my wife, you know, she, um, she had six children. And if you've heard my older podcast and you know, you know, that I, you know, took on that responsibility of being, um, a stepfather and, you know, was willing to do the blended family thing and, you know, mix with, mix my children, in which I had three, uh, three sons that are now uh, grown adults. And, you know, my wife had younger children. So, you know, I, I took on that um, responsibility of becoming a stepdad. Uh, it wasn't easy. It's still not easy. But, one of the things I wanted to touch on is that, you know, for the, for the women, well, and the men, you know, when you are in a relationship with someone and you create life with them, and then you decide that that person that you created the children with, you know, you no longer want to be with, you know, for, you know, any reasons. It could be you know, financial, uh, something could have happened to the parent, um, abuse uh, of any kind, whether it's substance, physical, sexual, mental, financial. Uh, I'm trying to think of them all, emotional, things like that. When you decide that you want to step out of that and seek love elsewhere, one of the things that I I realized, and I've I've dated a lot of women that had children, and one of the things I realized, and I'm not just saying women, and I I can only speak from my experience of being in those type of relationships because they were with women, you know. So I'm speaking on that aspect because it could also be in reverse with men. Um, so. I don't want, you know, anyone thinking I'm being a chauvinist or this is masculine uh, toxicity or whatever. Um, but one of the things I notice is that when women or the women I've been with and experienced, you know, blending my children with their children and trying to be one happy family, is that the women typically, they don't, hold their own, you know, and to me, when you're coming out of a negative relationship, trying to move into a positive one, but the children are suffering from the negative relationship, and then you're trying to move them into a positive situation, it really makes it difficult for everyone. 
And the reason being is because of the toxic parenting. You know, um, whether it's the guy or the female, you know, um, the mother could be toxic. The father could be toxic. They can both be toxic together. And when you are moving forward, you cannot bring that with you. Um, because the children, they see that growing up. Let's say you meet a woman and she has a son and the son is 13. And she leaves, you know, her husband, boyfriend, quote unquote, baby daddy. And she wants to move forward to a man that, you know, is in a better position in his life and um, could could do more for her son, more for her. Um, a lot of times, the son is is rebellious, and he's rebellious for a reason, because he saw the parents rebel against each other and saw, you know, all this negativity going on in his life. And now when he's around someone that is positive, he doesn't know how to act. And he takes offense to anything that that particular gentleman or woman, if it's, you know, in reverse, uh, he takes a negative approach. He doesn't want to be bothered. And if he's coming from an abusive home, then he's going to probably nine times out of ten abuse that new significant other. Ladies, you have to get your children under control. You have to get your child's mind under control. One of the things as a parent that I've done with my sons is, for example, you know, I'm from Washington, D.C., um, Southeast D.C., uh, Ward 8 of Southeast D.C., which is one of the very negative, for whatever reason, um, negative areas for obvious reasons. You know, um, I don't even want to get into sanctions and policies and things of the government and why it is the way it is, but it is what it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, okay, I kept my son's away from any and all of the drama because I didn't feel as though, you know, my kids being raised around drug dealing and, you know, um, gun violence, alcoholism, things like that. I, I didn't feel as though that was important to my children. So I basically tried to maintain a different type of household to ensure that they never needed want needed to want for anything. Um, I, I provided, you know, all the latest video games, clothes, things of that nature. I, you know, I paid my support like I was supposed to because, you know, their mother and myself, you know, we split ways when they were very young, but I still supported and ensured that I was there for her and there for the children. And I made a positive impact in their life and uh, I just feel as though as parents, some people don't take the same approach as myself, you know, and they continue the behavior of their parents previous, you know. So if their mom and dad was a certain type of way, then they're going to be a certain type of way, which is typically, you know, the same as the parents. You know, uh, and it's funny because my wife has sent me this clip, and I'm going to play it for you in a second. And it was um, a, a young man and his son. Uh, she had found it on Instagram, um, and they, they sent it to her. Someone sent it to her from her mindful class. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it really touched me in a way that, it, it shine light on this very same issue of how 
our, our childhood experiences, we duplicate as adults. And um, I'm going to play this clip. And, you know, it's, it says, um, let's raise children who won't have to recover from their childhoods. You know, because as adults, we find ourselves recovering from childhood trauma and childhood uh, parental toxicity. So let me play this clip for you. Uh, it's like four minutes long, so, you know, just bear with me. And um, just, just you know, hear what, hear, hear what this guy states to his son and, his, this, you know, it's him and his son, and they're sitting on the couch speaking. Let me play this clip. Now, I know that having a child can take away the freedom of an adult or future parent's life. Mm. But other than that, what's so, like, scary or what's so crazy about the concept of actually having a child? What would you think if I gave you poison? I'm not going to drink it because it's poison. Okay, so I asked you that question to, to make you think about something. A lot of children or a lot of adults were brought up in toxic households. Their parents passed down poison mentally. You know, a lot of adults was abused. Some adults was, was, was molested, was traumatized. So sometimes when you're raised in something, you look at it as normal, but you don't know that you're about to create a life with that same poison. You're about to create a life. You're about to pass down that same toxic. And until you get out of that situation or until you see a different picture, this is how no, this is how you can know how damaged you actually were. You know, so sometimes when you're in traumatic situations, you think it's normal because you was brought up in trauma. So when you're able to step back and look at the trauma and go, wow, I experienced this, I survived this. So some parents acknowledge that and they don't want to pass down damage. Or some parents look at the world and say, I don't want to bring a kid in this world. So it's so much responsibility to be prepared financially, to be prepared spiritually, to be prepared mentally, to give your life and your, your uh, expressions. Because children are just expressions. You know? So your 12 years of my... Basically, every child is a better reincarnation of yourself. Sometimes not better. Sometimes not better. Some some parents are raising children out of survival mode. So if I got to work every day, if I got to work hard, if, if I got to just survive, I'm not raising you comfortably. It's a difference when I can raise you comfortably, when I know the environment is safe, when I know I trust the systems that's helping me educate you. That's I, the, I could see that. Like, if I'm in pain my entire life, I have a child and I'm inflicting pain on my child even though I'm not aware of it mm -hmm. because I've lived through it every day and it's normal to me now. So it's like, I'm not hurting him. I'm raising this child the way that I was raised. And mm -hmm. even though the way that I was raised was in pain, I didn't realize it because I grew up around it every single day. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say it's like poison. So that's why I say... Some parents will not give their children poison knowingly, or you wouldn't take poison knowingly, but I could raise you in an environment. And plus, it's a responsibility. Definitely. And, and I could raise you in an environment not knowing how much I'm poisoning your mind. So this is why it's, it's a lot of adults, you, you go through it and you see it every day, adults, when they see you, and I tell you this all the time when I'm, when I'm translating comments, and it's adults that say something negative to you, that say you should be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that, a lot of adults are just children that's still hurting, but they just grew. And they don't know how to let that out. They don't know how to talk about it. So this is why I don't hide anything from you. I let you know my experiences so you could understand some of the decisions I made, so you could understand my growth. And I grew so much since you came into my life because, like I said, I look at your heart like it's my heart. I look at your mind like it's my mind. And this is what allows you to love unconditionally. Because if I understood I was traumatized, if I understand I was traumatized growing up, how can I raise you with that same cycle that created me? I got to remove that cycle to build a new cycle and create a new cycle. And, and, and those are some of the things that will help us. Now, 
you know, when I, I listen to that clip, right? That that was some a deep conversation between a father and a son. And <clears throat> excuse me, you know, we have to start, and it's, this is not even just a black thing. You know, it's a human thing. When, you know, when you speak of racism, bigotry, um, classism, any type of ism, uh, sexism, you know, we have to stop teaching our children this behavior. And a lot of times, like like the video states, a lot of times, these things go unnoticed because it was normalized to us in our childhood. Now, how, how did I go about undoing what my parents did? I always said when I was even a child, I grew up with a stepdad. Um, my mom was a single parent up until she met my stepdad. And, you know, I, I took this to my stepdad with no problem. Now, I had a brother, you know, that didn't. You know, I had a sister that had a relationship with her biological father. So it was kind of tough for them. But for me, I I kind of never really had too many issues with my stepfather. And I always said to myself, when I got older, that if I became a step-parent, I would, you know, pretty much be cool, calm, collective, you know, and um, try, try to relate to the child. And I'm not one to run from responsibility of taking care of a child. It doesn't matter if it's my child, someone else's child, a child in the street. You know, that was kind of, to me, in my opinion, and based on, you know, some of the things I've heard from others, you know, I was kind of born a leader in a sense. So for me, it, it's, it's just, it comes with the territory. You know, if I see a child in need, I'm going to help them. You know, if I see a homeless person in need, I'm going to help them. Uh, and I try to instill that in my own children, you know, instead of, you know, building a bunch of self-loving, selfish people. I, I you know, because even with my daughter, you know, um, because, you know, my wife and I have a child together and uh, we teach her, you know, to share and um, to be responsible. But, you know, when I look at my stepchildren, the children that were here on this earth before me, they don't act anything like her. They're more self-indulged and, you know, they learn from their families to be this type of way. And, you know, trying to break that cycle is almost impossible. So, you know, when I'm sitting here dealing with them, it is extremely difficult. Number one, I've said this before, and I believe in my earlier podcast, that whenever you're dealing with someone else's DNA, it's damn near impossible to break a cycle without that person telling that child, yo, don't go and treat this man that way. Don't do this to this woman. You know, so, because they're not going to take to you. They are not spiritually connected to you. And it makes it extremely difficult for them and for you. Now, when you have the parent that, that you know, the biological parent in the household, and they're not telling the child, yo, don't do this. And sometimes they can. They can say, hey, little Bobby, don't, um, don't steal from daddy, you know, uh, because it's wrong. But sometimes it takes that other biological parent, which may be the father or the mother, this, the non-custodial parent, to tell them the same exact thing. Because a lot of times, children, you know, if you've 
ever separated from your spouse or your boyfriend or whatever, and you have a child, there's always seems to be this level, whether it's minute, small, you know, medium or large hatred because it didn't work out and people would get upset and they want to act a fool. The child sees that. So when you try to move forward, the child rebels and they're going to side with the, the non-custodial parent because you are splitting them up. And most children, they don't want to be separated ever from their, uh, their biological parents. Like they want to live in a household where it's them and their mom and dad. And when you go as far as to end that for them, it, it creates chaos in their, in their mind. So what, end up, what ends up happening is that they rebel. So I'll take my personal life experience with my son's mother, you know, with, with her, I was, I was different. You know, I didn't, I didn't show that type of emotion. I was never mad, you know, that she moved on with her life and things like that. I encouraged it. I encouraged my sons. You know, I'm like, hey, listen, you know, your mom, you know, is in love with this guy. Don't disrespect him. I would even, you know, meet the guy, you know, and, and, and I would sit there and show my sons that there's nothing wrong with this, you know, but on her end, she would always show hatred towards the woman I'm with, the new woman. And what ended up happening, for example, when I met my wife and, you know, she moved with me, we got together, she moved in with me. My sons kind of had a little bit of hatred there because it stems from their mom. But, you know, whenever she met a new guy, they didn't have hatred towards that guy. They were fine. They took to him. You know, they would go fishing. They would do all types of things. And the guy never had an issue out of my sons. But my sons uh, had issues with women I met because they're just acting out the same thing they saw their mom do. So a lot of times when you're doing certain things in front of your children, you have to be aware. Number one, their brains are a sponge. They barely forget anything. And when you are separating and you've been with this man or this woman for up to years, or it could be two, three years, and you take them out that environment, then, you know, you, you, they're uncomfortable. And whatever happens, whatever the dad says, you know, oh, oh you're going to leave me for that man, or the woman say, you know, you're going to leave me for her, you know, and you start acting simple-minded and childish, the child sees that. So what ends up happening, like I stated, they're going to rebel against that person. And with my wife, you know, um, her children's, like the grandmother, you know, would say negative things about me, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't really get into that with people because to me, I'm one of them type of people, if you have something to say to me, you say it to my face. I don't know why you would tell a child, but they do that. People do that. You know, um, they, you know, she would question them, you know, what's going on in the house and how is everything and, you know, you know, is it food? Is it this? Is it that? And, and basically painting a picture in the children's mind that this man is me, being that man, is not capable of taking care of you all, which is a bold-faced lie. You know, but people... We, we, we call that hating, you know, when, when you're doing stuff like that, you know, um, because the grandmother wanted the children in her life forever. And it, it's, it doesn't work like that because her son and my now wife were never married. So that man, he had an opportunity and he didn't capitalize on it. That's not my problem. You know, when I met my wife, for example, I asked her, hey, um, I see you have children. Uh, where's the father? You know, she said, I don't know. He's not around, so on and so forth. Okay, well, I'm here for you. I'll be there for you. I love you. Um, and we're going to make this work. 
And that's exactly what I did. I made it work and I'm still making it work to this day. And, you know, I've been through the ringer with this guy and with his family. And from day one, I've never been praised. There has never been glory or anything like that from that family for the hard work and dedication I put into raising these children that are not mine, providing for these children that are not mine, leading these children down the right path and not the wrong path. You know, I never received anything from them. But, you know, that's, that's how the world works, you know, and sometimes, you know, it used to bother me when my wife would, you know, post, you know, let's say one of the children graduated, you know, because one did graduate high school. And, you know, she posted a picture of him. We had the graduation. And then she gets all these likes and say, hey, you done a great job with him. It's never y'all did a great job with him. It's always about her. And I'm saying to myself, okay, listen, she didn't do this alone. And you all know this to be true, but you never give me the credit for anything. Not that I need it. You know, I am just proud that the child graduated. You know, but a lot of times when you leave that person, their family and that person builds this type of hatred that needs to stop because all you're doing is putting your toxicity into that child. If If her son's or her kid's father wanted to be with her, he would have married her. And he did not. And that that doesn't fall on me. It doesn't fall on me. I didn't break up no happy home. You know, this, 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 this. You know how people are. You know, hey, uh, you know, your home record, so on and so forth. No, that, 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 that did not happen because there was no home. The man was not with her. And like I said, all the time, if not probably 95% of the time, it's either going to be a bitter woman or a bitter man. And, you know, I've looked at my wife and every female that the children's father has dated, she never said anything. And that's why, for example, like I said, she never talked negative about him. She never talks negative about the woman. And every woman that he's been with, those kids accept her. But when the children go to the father, he talks negative about me. His family talks negative about me. And then they come back to me with an attitude. And I used to call it deprogramming. Every weekend they would come home, I would have to deprogram them and say, hey, listen, number one, I don't, don't bring that back into this house. Don't bring that through my door. Uh, keep it moving. We're not going to discuss anything your father discussed about me or your grandparents. And I would notice, notice every single time they came back, they came back with an attitude because they inject that toxin and that poison into these children's brains. And, you know, it, it, it's hard to sit back and say, okay, well, why don't we keep the children away from the father? And, you know, what do they call that? Um, basically, uh, safeguarding your home from toxic people and things of that nature. But here's the thing with that. I'm not one to take a child from the father. That's not what I do. Like, you should never do that. You should never come in between that. that that's not your business. You know, when you are a step-parent, that's not your business. But there should be rules and regulations and stipulations and things that you put in place to the child that, hey, we're not going to deal with this. Uh, if you want to talk about it, we can all sit down as a family, we can discuss it, and then we can clear the air. But er- like I said, every single time they went around this family, that's, what, that, that's how they come back. So we have to stop, stop instilling negative vibes into the children because the children are the future. We had our turn. We had our turn. And a lot of times, like I have my, one of my stepdaughters, for example, um, 
she was an honor roll student. An honor roll student, like all through school. And, you know, we sent her to another school and the father started a bunch of drama. Uh that and we were going through that. And um what ended up happening, it it got so bad that the child started to fail. She started failing and she was no longer an honor roll student. And, you know, I sat her down uh, about a week or two ago and I asked her, I said, hey, um, what's going on? Why, why, for whatever reason, you can't seem to make honor roll? And she said she didn't know. So I sat down, I, I mean, I know, but I sat her down and I said, hey, well, you know, part of the problem is distractions. Because she told me that she's not taking, taking it seriously or something of that nature. I said, no. It's distractions. It's your home life distractions. And then she's young. She just turned 13. So she has, um, you know, got boys and friends that are negative. And, you know, some people want to win. Some people don't. And, you know, I had a teacher, you know, if you're around someone and you're not learning anything from them, I think you should, you know, really choose a better circle. Because anybody you come in contact with, you should learn from. If you're not learning anything from them, you're wasting your time. And that's, that's been my approach, even in, you know, as a child, in my adulthood, whatever. That's been my approach. If I'm not learning anything from you, then you're wasting my time. So I don't even want to, you know, build with you or be around you and hang with you. I, I've been into that. That, like, that's, that is ridiculous. To, that, that's just a waste of time. But, you know, with her being an introvert, I, boys wasn't even, you know, most introverts, they don't associate like that. You know, they, they stick to who they're closer to. But boys wasn't really the top of the thing on that list. It's really the bottom because she's not even that type of child. But the home life is what is really causing the issues, the stress. The father, you know, constantly contacted my wife. He's bitter because she moved on. Because, you know, the, the sad part about this guy is that he, he even tried to, you know, come in between us. Like, probably a, within a year of us being married. I don't even think it was a year. And, you know, because we had gotten married, I think it was 2016. So we've been married three years. And this guy, for three years, have been trying to end my marriage. And he, if... He didn't feel as though he was capable of doing it. He'll do it through the children. And I'm not going to lie. It, 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 we've sat with divorce papers twice. Twice. Because I keep saying to myself, I can't do this anymore. You know, and it, it, it's hard. And, you know, when people say marriage is work, man, marriage is a career. It's not work. It's a damn career. Because you're fighting. You're fighting, especially when you have a blended family. You are fighting every single day. Every single day to keep things together. Now, when you're in a situation where it's you and a woman, y'all get married and have children, that's a little different. Now, you still probably have to work on it and fight against, you know, for example, you know, you, you, your wife go and have a baby and... Her mother doesn't feel as though you're doing things right or the dad don't feel as though you're living up to the expectations of a father, things like that. Because I'll give you an example. My son, my older son, uh, oldest son, he got married. And I'm not in his business. I don't know if his mother-in-law is in his business, but I stay out of his business. He comes to me. He may bring something to me and say, hey, dad, what do you think about this, that? And I'll give him my opinion. Whether he applies it or not, that's his business. But what I try to do is I let him be a man. I let him make decisions. You know, my nephew, same difference. You know, I, I'll sit there and I'll listen and I'll give him my opinion. I'm not biased. I'll give him the best logic I can give him. And then, you know, like I say, I'll move on. But I never sit there and say, hey, you need to leave her or, hey, She's not the one for you. You need somebody else. This, 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 this. I, I don't do that. You know, and a, a lot of times, like I said, when it's blended, 
Oh man, you in a in a hell of a situation. You got a lot of work on your hands because it's you're basically dealing with three families. You have the father's family in him, you have your wife's family, and then you have your family. And you're trying to keep the peace between three families. And a lot of people say, well, that's why I don't date people with children. There's nothing wrong with dating people with children. A child needs parents, but they need responsible parents. They need, you know, it, 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 and like I say, they need, like, for, for example, for my stepchildren, they need their father. They need their father. He can, he's the only one that can say, hey, they're doing this because of this. They're doing that because of this. Because he knows it's him. It's his DNA. He knows why they're doing what they're doing. That's why he manipulates them and make them do things they shouldn't be doing. Because it's easy for him. But instead of saying, hey, you know, thanks for helping out, you know, because I remember when I met the guy and, you know, he was rude then, in a sense, you know. And I'm like, okay, he called his sons out of name, you know, and, you know, praised his daughters. And I'm just like, okay, this, this is crazy. Like, what is wrong with this guy? You know, you don't do that. You know, but you, one thing you can't change is a person. Change is, in, is inevitable, but you cannot change a person. The only thing you can change on a person is a pamper. That's it. But the guy, I, you know, I just said to myself, you know, when I met this guy, like, yo, I, I can't believe my wife was with this dude for 12 years. Like, how? You know, and I'm shaking my head, but it's no fault of her own. She was learning. You know, she was learning. And a lot of times, my wife said this quote to me, and it was, uh, women are some of the smartest beings on this planet until they fall in love. And she didn't, she's never lying. And I think some, some men are the same way. But I don't hold that against her. I'm always thinking forward. I don't think backwards. My mind is always ahead of the game, you know, and with me, you know, being analytical, you know, and focused, I'm always ahead of the game. And, you know, I, I, I try to help my wife. I'm there for her. I'm her confidant. I'm, you know, I, she's an introvert like no other, but, you know, I try to, you know, look past that and study that and find ways to get around it. Um, but excuse me, uh, she, she could be loving when she wants to be, but then, you know, she has her childhood issues that she's dealing with as an adult. We all go through it, you know, and it's funny how as adults, we walk around like there's nothing wrong. Like, you know, you have a lot of people walking around that's been abused. And they're working Wall Street and politicians, and it doesn't matter. You know, and especially being black, slavery in itself is still instilled in us. It's still instilled in us. And a lot of the things that our parents have done and our parents' parents have done, because, you know, I explained that to my mom. I said, well, you know, the funny thing is, we're closer to slavery than we think because my grandfather's parents were slaves. And then his parents' parents were slaves, which would be, you know, my great-great-grandparents. So we are still stuck in a mentality that we're struggling to get out of, even, even if you're white. You know, you, you probably... You know, I don't, in my honest opinion, I don't think, I think only probably, and I'm going to be straightforward with this, I think probably 20% of white people are racist. And I'm, I'm being straight up. The other 80 could care less. It's not a large group. And I'm talking, and I'm speaking worldwide. 
It's not a large group because the younger youth, they don't want to have no part of that. They don't want to have no part of that. They're great granddaddies and all them people that did what they did. They ain't trying to do none of that. They're not trying to do none of that. What they're trying to do is just keep themselves in power through negativity. But it's not working anymore. Because I'm going to say by 2050, 2060, 2070, that shit won't even exist. It's not going to exist. You know, and they're trying to push it and push it and push it. but it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's, it's going to die out just like every other, uh, uh, what you call those, uh, civilizations where Rome and things like that. that that's, it's not going to work anymore. It's not going to work. But, you know, as long as they can hold on is as long as they're going to hold on. But, like I stated, it's, it comes from Toxic parenting. Yeah, I'm going to teach my child to hate blacks. I'm going to teach my child how to hate Hispanics. You know, you take the situation, you know, with Donald Trump and so on and so forth, you know, with the Hispanic community. The crazy thing to me is, I mean, if, if you've been to high school, graduated, know anything about the Spanish-American War, and what took place and how people got pushed down to Mexico and so on and so forth. I mean, you know, it's kind of slap, it's kind of like a slap in the face to tell a Hispanic, which really technically isn't Hispanic. The Spaniards conquered their land, you know what I'm saying, in a sense. So that's what makes them Hispanic. I deem them to be aboriginals, natives of this land. And that's my opinion. I, I, I could be wrong, but no one's going to change my opinion. You know, they were here first. And, you know, they got forced down. And, you know, to tell them they can't come back because basically they lost the war. You know, that, that's bullshit to me. I'm just going to say it. It's bullshit. Because nobody's conquered Europe and told Europeans they couldn't go there no more. You know, so that's my opinion on it. You know, they, they forced them down to South America, so on and so forth. Everybody had their own space. Up until, you know, like I say, when the colonizers decided, yo, we can't uh, perform slavery over here in Europe anymore because there's laws against it. We're going to go find a place where we can do this with no laws. In North America, um, in the Caribbean islands and South America is where, is where they went. And they took over, and it's been that way since. But again, if it's not, if, if you know, it's kind of like if you, if you stop speaking, like, for example, you have a child, right? You watch Poltergeist. The child gets scared. If you stop watching those type of movies, the child isn't scared anymore. Out of sight, out of mind. If we stop talking about racism as a whole, it'll stop. Because the longer you keep bringing light to it is as long as the child going to research it. And when they research it and watch movies and so on and so forth of it, they're going to want to continue that shit on and on and on. And that's why I say it's toxic parenting. because. It doesn't matter if I have a white neighbor, right, and he has a child. Now, my neighbor's not racist. If he has a child, him and his wife creates a child, but then I'm teaching my child about racism, and then my child goes play with little Bobby next door and says, hey, Bobby, did you know we used to be slaves? And uh, by the way, your ancestors enslaved my great-grandparents. You're just starting the cycle all over again. I'm not saying that slavery is right. Slavery is wrong. We've all been slaves. Every race on this earth has been a slave. Now, I, I'm not the one to hold a measuring stick to who had it worse. I'm not going to even comment on that. You know, because 
want, you know, people would say, well, you know, the Jews, uh, they suffered the most because of the Holocaust. We all suffered. We all suffered. We need to stop sitting back saying, okay, this group suffered more than that group. Everyone suffered. Because again, there's only one race. That's the human race. And when we've all suffered, then we all know what it feel like. But it's like crabs in a barrel in this world for some reason. Nobody want to see nobody else get, you know, richer than someone else. Nobody want to see nobody come up, you know. And it is ridiculous. It's sad. But it's the truth. And that's, that's how the world works today. The 1% wants to stay one. They don't want any newcomers. You know, it, it doesn't matter your race. They just doesn't. They, they don't. They, doesn't, they don't want anyone else coming up because they don't want to share the wealth. Now, you know, I've been um, looking at these reparation uh, hashtags and things, and they're talking about, you know, that's the new thing going into the 2020 election is about reparations and, you know, should blacks get it? Of course. If you paid it off to everyone else, then why not? You know, now the numbers, yeah, the numbers are going to be steep. But at the same time, you know, you need to pay people that just do. You've paid every other race, you know. So, you know, the Japanese uh, for what we did um, during the war, um, the natives, uh, Aboriginals or whatever, you know, North America, they they got theirs, they got their uh, land. You know, I don't think the land was any good, you know, for like um, gardening and things like that, but they, they received that and they received money. Um, the Jews, uh, Germany paid out something in the billions to the Jews. And African-Americans are the only ones that never received a, um, any type of form of, of a, a reparation. Um, you can't say, hey, um, build up some community centers, give them some job training, give them higher pay raise, you know, and things. That's, that's not a reparation. Because to me, I've worked, I started from the bottom and worked myself up. So that giving me, a, telling me that's reparations is bullshit. But again, when you look at these candidates for um, even the black woman, I, I don't remember her name off the top of my head. I'm sorry. But even, you know, she's talking the same thing as Bernie Sanders and all these. That, that's not a reparation. Clearly, you need to re do your research and re-look up the definition of a reparation. That's not it. Um, but that's neither here nor there. What needs to happen is, okay, you do your payout. Okay, everybody get their money. Then what? Then what? Do we still continue to talk about racism? Do we still continue? Because my daughter, when she was in the pre-K-3, she didn't even understand race. And, I, you know, she asked me, her, her teacher was uh, of white descent, and um, she didn't understand. Like, why does she look different than her aide that was black? And, you know, I had to explain it to her. I said, well, she's from Europe. Her ancestors are from Europe or, you know, in that area. She's European. She's Caucasian. I didn't call her white. I called her Caucasian. And, you know, I explained to her the whole situation. But, uh, you know, I never said, hey, uh, that, that cracker, that whitey. No, that that's ignorant. That is ignorant. Because if you do it in reverse, you wouldn't want, a Caucasian, colonizer, whatever you want to call them, saying that about you. So I had to teach my daughter a different way of thinking, you know, and I went based on history, location, and things of that nature. Now, the woman could have been Irish. She could have been Norwegian. But the terminology of European suit that best because I don't know where she's from. But I'm not going to talk negative to my, at the time, four-year-old child and build hatred. I'm not going to do that. That is ridiculous. And I still teach my children, you know, to be proud of being black. But 
while you're being proud, you don't have to put down another race to be proud about your own race. That's ridiculous. And a lot of times we're doing that to these children. We're doing that. And then, like I said, you know, it doesn't matter if it's um, a blended family of, hey, uh, he's bad. He's the bad guy. She's the bad woman. Don't like her. You don't teach your child to hate. I teach my daughter and my, my, my eight-year-old son, stepson, love animals, love nature, love the world. Um, I don't deal, I don't put religion in my children's head because to me, I personally feel as though that should be their decision, decision when, she, when they become adults. You know, that they, if they want to do organized religion and things of that nature, that's their choice. You know, I'm not going to say, hey, um, Jesus is white. Jesus is black. I'll say Jesus was a man. You know, and that's how I approach that. Now, I don't deal in organized religion. That's my preference. I'm spiritual. And my spirituality has nothing to do with Christianity. It has nothing to do with being Catholic, Buddhist, Muslim, anything like that. I don't, I, I don't follow that. I'm spiritual. You know, I am, to me, it's about nature. I look up at the stars, the moon, the sun. You know, I go as far back as to, you know, Horus, Osiris, Isis, you know, though you know that type of spirituality you know and to me the, at those particular times that was not organized religion now you did still have your um priest and things of that nature but i never really saw too many people following following that you know the priest in a sense the priest worked for the pharaoh he didn't work for the people you know, um, and, and I use this terminology, Christ-like, and I, I, I say all the time, you know, to people that Christ, if, if Christ could not have possibly been a Christian because Christianity comes from Christ, and what was Christ like? If Christ was nice, kind, generous, so on and so forth, and loving and caring and loved nature and so on and so forth, then that's being Christ-like. You can't call yourself Christ-like or a Christian or whatever if you're talking about somebody behind their back. You don't love animals. You don't love nature. You're throwing trash on the ground. You're smoking cigarettes. You know, you, 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 you can't do that. You know, and um, that's my opinion. That's my opinion. I, you know, I don't really, because those type of conversations sometimes piss people off. But I would tell anybody any day, my opinion is exactly that. It's mine. You can do what you want, praise who you want, whatever the case may be. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I'm going to tell you that's what's up. You know, hey, okay, you're a Christian, that's what's up. You're a Jehovah Witness, that's what's up. You're a Buddhist, that's what's up. You know, uh, you're Jewish and, you know, you follow your thing, you do your thing. Because... We all have to believe in something. That's how humans get through. They, through belief. Through hope. So I'm not going to tell anybody they're wrong for their beliefs. No, that's stupid. That's ignorant. Because we all have to believe we're going to win. And like I said, you know, we should teach our children better than what we're doing instead of going through and, and teaching hate, 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 no matter the situation. You know, it's, it's just like something as is, is common as food, right? My wife don't like ricotta cheese. And one day I made a lasagna, and my stepson, which is her son, said, um, yeah, I don't, I don't like that. I, I don't like ricotta cheese. I said, boy, you don't even know what ricotta cheese is. He heard his mother say it. And, you know, in his mind, he grew up 
not wanting ricotta cheese. You know, my daughter does the same thing. If my wife don't like broccoli, my daughter don't like broccoli. You know, and those are the type of things that, you know, I, I, I'm talking about. Like, give the child a chance. Give them a chance. Let them make their own decisions. You know, my, my daughter don't like meatloaf. It's not because somebody said it. She decided, I don't like the way this tastes. Which is weird because she'll eat a hamburger. You know, so, you know, those type of things, you know, you have to let the child make some decisions too as, as they get older. Don't make the decision for the child. And a lot of times that's what we're doing. We're making the decisions for the child. There's some decisions, yeah, okay, let me hold your hand while you cross the street. You know, uh, don't drink coffee. My wife and I just had that discussion this morning. She, you know, I said I wanted to take my daughter to Starbucks. She said, nah, you can't give her coffee. I said, well, they got decaf coffee. They got decaf tea. They got those uh, little fruity drinks. She doesn't, why do you, you know, you see Starbucks and you automatically think coffee. They're beyond that today. You know, so, you know, I, I had to explain to her that there's nothing wrong with taking a six-year-old child to a Starbucks. There's things that children can eat. You know, and things that children can drink that Starbucks has. But when you teaching them that no, nah, you don't you don't go to Starbucks, you don't and it's not that she said that, you know, she didn't say no. She just said, No, you you know, well, you can't give her a coffee. And, you know, not consciously consciously thinking, the drink in her hand is not coffee. I forgot what it was called. It had, she put strawberries, uh, blackberries and some other shit in it. And, you know, I'm like, that's you don't even have coffee. She, my wife don't even drink coffee. But you're in Starbucks saying that you can't give our daughter coffee. You're not drinking coffee. So that's why I was like, eh, I don't think you're thinking here. But nonetheless, that's teaching them not to make their own decisions. And I kind of, you know, I'm against that. You know, my daughter, you know, She's my everything. And I want her to have a, a free spirit where she can make her own decisions somewhat. And um, because some going to be wrong, some going to be right. But she has to learn how to survive in America. She's going to have to learn how to survive in this world. You know, I don't want to raise a child that, you know, because I've noticed that a lot of Americans never get outside, especially if you're black, they never get outside this country. I don't know one black person in my peer group that's been to Greenland, that's been to Norway, that's been to Sweden, that's been to Germany. You know, it's like, oh, well, I went to Maryland. Oh, I went to Vegas. I went to Atlantic City. I went to Miami. I don't know, no white, I mean, no black person has been to Nebraska, Montana. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's other states. There's other places to go. There's other things to see. You know, I, one of my lifelong dreams was always to go to the countryside of Japan, to go to China, to go to the Great Wall. You know, and I'm, I'm still working on it at my old tender age. So I just feel like we need to stop teaching these children that nothing's possible. Uh, you have to live in this bubble you're never going to be able to move forward because of this, that, and they're going to hold you back, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that, and you can never win. The man got his foot on your neck, and stop all that. You get into a relationship with someone that has children, control the situation. Don't let the situation control you. And I'm going to go ahead and get out of here because I done talked for a whole hour about this, and I meant to talk for 30 minutes. Um, so I just want to say thank you. <laughs>